to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com what is pleasure pleasure is anything that makes you feel good pleasure is an experience pleasure is your birthright you deserve pleasure I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, sex therapist, sexologist, and host of the podcast, Sluts and Scholars. And I'm Michelle Lamour, international burlesque artist, empowerment advocate, and host of the podcast, Look Down There. And together, we are Into Pleasure. Into Pleasure is a pleasure-positive virtual event where a diverse group of intimacy experts present varying paths to pleasure. You'll learn from Nicoletta, where you will discover how to prepare your body for pleasure, and learn how to remove those pleasure blocks. Goddess Coco Meow will show you how to combine beauty care rituals into your kink and BDSM play. Javé Debay will teach you how to make the home movies of your fantasies. Leafbound and Icarus will show you the ropes in an introduction to rope bondage, where you will learn special knots and witness a demonstration. And finally, I'll be leading you through a pleasure recess you will learn how to access pleasure in your body and move it through your body all while listening to your yes and only doing what feels good. You can join us for the full day or you can choose your pleasure a la carte and pick and choose the classes that work for you. Anyone who registers for three or more classes will receive a digital gift bag that include discounts to pleasure products and services. All classes will be on Zoom. So if you can't attend live, no problem. Everything will be recorded. Into Pleasure is for all women and marginalized genders who want to explore more of their pleasure potential. Whether you are just starting out or a pleasure pro, Into Pleasure is sure to please. Join us on April 2nd for this pleasure positive virtual event. Don't pleasure delay. Grab your tickets now at intopleasure.com. See you on April 2nd. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And listeners asked, so I listened. Welcome back the Funny Dom. The Funny Dom is a kink content creator, sadistic daddy, and polyamorous owner, spreading BDSM positivity from his home in Melbourne, Australia. And today, we are going to be answering your questions. This episode will cover some basic questions for beginners, but also some advanced questions for folks already in the kink and BDSM community. If you are needing some more just basic info, go back to some older episodes, including episode six with Mistress Hudsey Hahn, or episode 70 with Mistress Justine Cross, or the previous episode with The Funny dom welcome back hi thanks for having me back and uh i did get a little bit worried when you said i was spreading things from uh melbourne because we've had so much covid uh fear down here that i don't want it to get out that i'm super spreading anything except positive uh advocacy (laughs) of kink uh health and you know good um good kinky fuckery that's all i want to spread (laughs) well it said spreading from your home so you're just uh you know your home is emanating that (laughs) world (laughs) not covid (laughs) okay good yeah emanating everything else except covid is fine (laughs) 
Okay, so since we recorded last, your audience has grown immensely, but also Insta deleted your account, which is fun. Um, this is an obvious question given Instagram politics, but what the fuck happened? I still don't know. The terrible Dom personality of Instagram. That's the like, like a joke I have with my with my partners is like Instagram's like a you know a very bad Dom. The communication the toxic is terrible. Dom that does has no consent, no ongoing consent, and doesn't explain anything. Just says because I said so. Exactly, exactly. The punishment <laughs> is inconsistent, makes no sense, hasn't been consented to. I was getting towards twenty five thousand followers, which was mostly all built over the course of just over a year, which is amazing. I was really happy mm-hmm. and proud of the community that was there. There were so many people that. That I had known for that year that had become kind of like friends in the community, people who I felt like if I happened to be in their town, they would, you know, have coffee with me. It just it was really wholesome and great. And then and then it was just gone. And they didn't tell me why. At first it was unusual activity, which is so funny because that's all I'm interested in is unusual activity. <laughs> but like that's so subjective what is unusual activity exactly and then a day later it was just gone so i had to start again i had a backup page luckily the community was really supportive and even in just the past week it's now up to um over seven thousand, uh, which is great and my patreon has actually gained some people i am so i think uh you know everything is fine um, it just it just hits you like arbitrarily, like oh, I was just doing the same thing I've been doing all year, um, but then they just decide no, we don't like sex positive people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so annoying, just annoying. Yeah, and I mean, look, you're not the only one. This is happening all the time. Folks are getting deplatformed every moment. It seems. Um, have you thought about just saying fuck it and staying on just Patreon or Twitter or something else? I know I've certainly thought of that. I'm too stubborn. Um, I think I think it would be sensible. And anyone else who would do it, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Um, but you're like, you fucked with the wrong Dom. I'm going to keep coming back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, they can't, I'll just, I, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm not going to stop. So uh, if they delete or deactivate, it's like, okay, fine. Then um, I'll have my third backup. You know, people have already said like, <laughs> you should start another backup to your backup. And I'm like, yeah, I think I should. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. go- not going anywhere. I'm going to keep doing um, doing advice, talking to people about their, their kinks, doing funny memes every single day, um, and you know, and more. Like the the further things go along, the more we're kind of uh, me and my um, partner who also does this are kind of like bringing people in to our experiences. We're talking about things we've done, like holidays, going you know, having a kinky holiday, going to a dungeon together. Um, having some group play like it's it's only going to get more interesting and more kinky so fuck instagram or whoever wants to be puritanical hey slutty scholars just a quick note since we recorded this the funny dom's next profile did get taken down so currently you can find him at the funny dom returns and again he will keep returning and returning and returning now back to the episode and if you want to um you know, have an actual conversation with me, then just check out the Patreon link. Uh, I do guides there as well on vetting a dom and setting a scene. And there's also a um, an audio clip just on the Patreon, which is a spanking session between me and my owned partner. Um, so, you know, if you want to hear a real live actual dynamic spanking, 
then get on my Patreon and have a listen to that. That will not be on Instagram. That would definitely get me deleted. <laughs> I know. It's like, I wonder what it was like with the memes because it's not, there's no nudity. Mm-hmm. There's no soliciting. Um, but it's just sex themed. I, I'm surprised they went, I mean, not surprised, I guess, anymore, but that they went straight to just getting rid of it. And I'm guessing you tried to contact whomever and got nothing. Yeah, I just sent an appeal. Um, they didn't tell me what it was. It's just, yeah, that's yeah. the most frustrating part. It's like being ghosted and they won't tell you why they dumped you. It's like, just fucking tell me. It is, it is. Except with ghosting, like, I've always had the position that when, um, when women ghost, I'm all for it because they can expect uh, rationally uh, if they try to do what we call the right thing and communicate that they're not interested or, you know, had fun but not interested going any further, they might get abuse. You know, they might get mistreatment. So ghosting is like Mm. a defensive, protective, rational thing to do. Whereas, so Instagram felt like it was being abused by you. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it was assuming I was going <laughs> to. I don't want to joke about this because you're very. <laughs> it's very serious what you were saying. Uh, so I don't want to minimize that because that is real. And... Right. I'm. I'm. If I trivialize it first, you're welcome to. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've been ghosted as if I was going to get like um, go all toxic male on Instagram. <laughs> like, mm. oh, you don't. Oh, you don't want to go on a third date with me. How dare well, you? Well, honestly, I guess you are because you're making, you keep coming back. You're not, you're not listening. You know? you're <laughs> <laughs> they said no. And you're like, well, I'll come back in this way. This is this true. Way. This is true. I will, <laughs> I will not take no for an answer. Oh, this is getting very layered now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I do think you are very boundaried and do have lots of wonderful consent skills. So let's get to the questions because I think your advice is great, even if you're not following it metaphorically when it comes to Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is not a partner, so I will not. I will not listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's. Uh, and if anyone out there is listening who works for Instagram or another social media thing, like, please reach out and tell us how to get around this so that people can access sex education um, because it is getting quite tiresome and frustrating, especially knowing that there's people who have millions of followers that can post uh, material that is definitely not within the Instagram guidelines, but they are allowed to do it because they're a Dan Bilzerian. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. I mean, my, my last one I just posted today is um, like uh, Anne Hathaway eating ice cream um, and is just about the, the ice cream being the voice message clips, you know, from from your dominant. And like that's the meme. It's just it's just her eating ice cream and 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 putting that next to how much uh, voice audio clips can be loved of, of a partner mm. like that that's not how does that that get deleted like it's ridiculous i've used the wrong hashtag oh, you know what? Or... okay i have an idea i think you should post just the m- picture without the words and then tell people to go to your patreon if they want to know what the meme is well that's too much like edging and that's a separate service <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay for that. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right, let's get to some questions. Um, so we put out a Q&A on our stories and got some lovely questions from you listeners. So thank you so much for sending those in. Uh, we so appreciate the thoughtfulness and yeah, just being involved and listening and tuning in. Uh, okay, so first question from a listener. Uh, first question is, what are some keywords and phrases to use with perfect strangers to gauge their level of interest in kink? Oh, that's a good one. I, I just did a, um, 
a little guide on this um, for a for a dating app, actually. So yeah, this is people uh, kind of get torn between being extra proud and and you know it's 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 really cool if you're comfortable saying I'm, you know, I'm a a masochist and I'm a I'm into pet play and I'm a, or I'm a I'm a dom I'm a master and and like that's very cool, but like it can be not comfortable and I think especially depending on your orientation and your um your gender you know it's, it's a bit easier for some of us to just be upfront with what we uh with what our identity is and what we're interested in so if you want to be subtle and it feels more comfortable to do so there are ways to kind of subtly kind of like keyword each other you know the old like having the handkerchief in the left or right pocket or having little like um codes in in kind of regular vanilla society um, some mm-hmm. real basic ones are just saying open-minded. I've noticed that a lot. If you've noticed that on dating profiles, often open-minded can be a very subtle one. Um, uh, also, people use emojis. There's, a, there's certain emojis that are like um, chain links. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can <laughs> yes. just say in, into and that emoji, and most people will just like not get it. Or, you know, like, that's the thing that's going to... But they could also it. be a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, you've got to assume <laughs> that anyone you talk to on a dating app can, could be a serial killer. Could also be that. I know. It's kind of what I'm searching for a little bit. Sometimes I'm like, are you going to kill me or fuck me? I think there's more serial killers on Netflix than there are in real life. So I, I think it's, <laughs> it's uh, there's, there's assholes are what we should be worried about, not serial killers. Yeah. Um, but- I also think the terms like, um, I mean, this is kind of an old one that I don't really use anymore, but like safe, sane, consensual, or you can say like risk aware. Um, yeah, yeah. Rack, rack and SSC are good ones. If you just say, what are your thoughts on on rack? Um, people will assume that it's something like it's something they don't know. If they don't know about it, they're just not going to read anything by it. They're going to scroll past. No, it. they would think a boot like a rack is also boobs. They At least could, here well, in the states. <laughs> so if someone reacts to it in that way, you absolutely know that's not what you're looking for. Yes. And anyone who knows it and is like, "Oh, are you talking about risk aware consensual kink?" And it's like, "Yes, yes, I am." And then you instantly know that this is someone who is kinky and also has a little bit of like studious awareness of things to have recognized that. So that's like a full-on actual code word. Rack is a really good way of just saying it without saying it. Um, You can also like, depending if you want to drop in what you are actually into. So if you are a um, female dominant, um, instead of, you know, saying get on your knees and, you know, lick my boots, which will get you a lot of responses, but it might get you a lot of responses that you've got to wade through. If you just say that you are very into like FL relationships, again, um, people who know female-led relationships and know what that that is are going to more likely be people who actually are aware um, and are actually worth your time rather than people that just see it, see any kind of sex-positive talk as just like an open invitation for sexting, you know. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a very good one. Um, if you do happen to be male and you're a daddy like myself, it, it can be very difficult to, like, get that across if you want to without immediately sounding like a creep because of society. <laughs> Love and, good little girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, But there are ways you can do it and, and I think not sound like a, like a, a monster. Um, and so you could just say that you are you know, very into um, 
um, you know, caregiving um, and supportive relationships, you know, and that's, again, has a bit of nuance to it. And I think a lot of people will just read that as like vaguely positive, but to someone who is more um, submissive and might be a little, you know, DDLG or something, might read that and go, oh, that caregiving, ding, 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 you know, this is a caregiver, this is a daddy, you know. And so, and, and showing the, the, the care involved to put that subtly and to not sound gross, again, tone is so important. Um, yeah. So I think that, like, there are ways to subtly get across your, your archetype. Um, mm-hmm. And also just if you want to get the kinky thing across, I think, yeah, emojis, mentioning, mentioning rack, mention Fifty Shades and how it was terrible. I think that's a great one. Um, cause then you'll get, if, if I saw someone who was saying, oh, I love 50 shades of gray, I'm like, oh, that's a conversation, but that might be, I'm less interested in that person. But if I saw someone say they hated it, I'd be like, that's either someone who is maybe like very conservative <laughs> and hates. Or just a film, a film buff. <laughs> or, or just, yeah, just knows bad character arcs when they see them. <laughs> Um, or is a kinky person most likely? Yeah, who, but it starts a conversation. Exactly. They they watched it and they were like, "This is not real kink," you know. So, uh, I think things like that get a bit of personality across, as well as getting across that you're into kink, rather than just saying, "I am a kinky person." Because unfortunately, on dating apps, too many idiots will just see things like that and go, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to try and shortcut straight to a dick pic as soon as I can." Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, my answer to this one is like a little bit different. And I, I like that you acknowledged, I think, folks' readiness to share. The way I'm coming from it is like, I think it is important to be clear. And I really encourage folks to find their people. But I know that can be intimidating. Sometimes there's privacy things. But like, for me, I'd rather just ask. <laughs> like blatantly um, or just uh, like say it myself, like, Oh, I'm into kink and BDSM. Like, how about you? <laughs> you know, just, uh, and then, and then if they're not, or they react a certain way, like that's not my kind of people necessarily. Or if they react in a way that they're curious, they might be my kind of people because they would converse. But I know that's not always uh, comfortable for folks and, and takes a certain level of, uh, of comfort and, and potential safety and discretion and all this stuff. But for me, at least on dating apps, I'm like very, clear about it because i don't want to fuck around uh, look absolutely i'm exactly the same way but look who's talking we're two people who will do yes. a podcast <laughs> about yes. sexuality and our kinks and we're like hey guys just be upfront about it just be cool about yeah. it but, I, like, uh, I don't think we're uh, it's not so easy i'm proud yeah. that we're, we're we're not the norm we're not the norm within not the norm um mm-hmm. and but i do agree that once you're talking to someone because I'm thinking on a bio level, like if you're describing yourself for just a flat public bio, then be a little bit subtle probably. I think that's probably safe. But once you once someone's matched with you and you're actually talking, I think like within the first two or three messages, you say, here's some stuff I'm into. You know, here's my relationship style. Here's my like orientation and um, here's my like preferences like straight direct and yeah if they're not into that well that's not going to be compatible because that's what you're into and if they hear Mm -hmm. that and go oh wow that's refreshing and i am compatible it's a great start to a conversation yeah 
This kind of leads to the next question, which is a little related. Somebody asked or said, um, I'm vanilla facing. And for folks out there who don't know vanilla, I guess it's just someone who's not kink and BDSM, but it can be lots of different things. So they said, I'm vanilla facing and need privacy. I don't want to be in the scene, but how do I meet folks? I really love vanilla facing as a term. <laughs> they're not they're not vanilla, but they're vanilla facing. I like that. Yeah. Almost like um, I'm um, I'm I'm monogamy adjacent <laughs> yeah well it's like it's like masking right i see it as that or like when i like kinky people i know they'll often say like my vanilla job meaning that the people within their job don't know that they're kinky uh, right. because they worry about losing their their job if people knew sure and that that sounds like what it is because this person wants to be a little bit discreet but wants to meet yeah. people so and that it, it yeah. is difficult I, I think if you if you don't want to be in the scene uh, or in a scene you might be assuming that that means that you're going to be like outed, but the way these kind of scenes work is people are quite discreet within the community. So you could go to a community mm -hmm. event and you will be quite safe within that community because everyone who's there is also there. So if you meet someone who right. is in your regular life, well, guess what? You just have a very good connection with that person now and a little bit of necessary trust because you both know what you both know. Um, so I wouldn't throw out the idea of being in the scene to some extent. It is the best way to meet people. But mm -hmm. if you don't want to do that and you want to keep it in a certain compartmentalised part of your life, um, I would say probably online is the safest way to go. You could be in a scene um, online. There are many Discord servers full of kinky people from around the world who who, who build good friendships with each other. Um, if you want to meet people for partners, then that might take a little bit more care. You, you can use a dating apps, but you're going to have to vet really, really well. Um, and the thing is that a lot of people won't be in a scene because they don't want to be held accountable or they don't want to be genuine. So the people who are going to events and munches, not as a blanket rule, but often are kind of healthier people because they want to be part of a community. They want to connect with other human beings. So mm -hmm. if you're going to stay in an anonymous kind of space, you're going to take a little bit more risk with that as well. So you just have to be more careful when you vet people so more questions more discussion and yes. be very very careful not to give people the benefit of the doubt give people the doubt and you will benefit from it oh i like that i've never I, heard I it just that made way. that up i just made that up oh, I, I think it's the, genius i think it's the iced coffee i had <laughs> Um, I love it. And exactly. I think you can definitely meet folks on places like FetLife or the app field. And, you know, there's a lot of kinky folks on there, but I totally agree with you that community to me also acts as a, and, and this isn't always true because things can happen in, in community as well, but community is like a, a safeguard and you've got these checks and balances of friends. And so even if you want to remain private, I think it's still important to connect with at least kinky friends online as well so that if you're engaging with someone that you have met online kind of like you said give them the doubt and then you'll benefit um you can connect with folks individually but then at least you have these checks and balances of people that you can talk to and be like hey is this normal does this sound safe um here's what i'm doing because otherwise i think it could you might be more at risk for getting into a toxic situation with someone who just says that they're 
a kink person or a dom and then you're not telling anyone about it and that's to me a little scary yeah and it's also just very isolating um mm-hmm. if you had have other people to connect with and talk about it it's, it's really healthy to be able to process things so even if even if everything goes well and there's nothing negative being able to have a great experience and then go and tell your three or four friends about it um who yeah. are all kinky and get it um, is so good and is part of, you know, being healthy and having a lifestyle. So, um, yeah, if you meet people and keep it discreet because of the way you're facing and, you know, where your limits are, that's fine. But, yeah, I would say try and find some community online that is um, anonymous enough and controllable enough that you can benefit from it without putting yourself at risk um, while still having friends, you know, especially if you're a submissive, too many submissives, they immediately jump in and try and find dominant. It's like, hang on, how about try and find some friends first, yeah. you know, and talk yeah. about their experiences and learn from each other. Um, and then when you do have a dominant partner, then you can share your experience with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, you've done it. Like, I don't know if you would call yourself vanilla facing, but like, no one really knows what you look like, save for like a you know a drawing, um, and you've created a huge community online. Um, yeah, so I'm sure people yeah. could meet through your community, and this person could create their own community and not even show their face. Well, that's true, and it is about comfort and having some kind of like boundaries for yourself, and that's why I've done that. And we're about to have mm-hmm. our own munch um, here in Melbourne. Um, just organized with followers from uh, my Instagram page and, and a partner of mine, her Instagram page as well. Um, so, and I think we're going to have 10 or 20 kinksters turn up and we don't know who they oh, are. Amazing. <laughs> They're going to meet us and we're going to meet them and we're just going to have a little like hang out at a park together, like a real wholesome munch. Um, Ugh, I wish I was uh, in Melbourne. Please start letting U.S. citizens in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a word to the government to change our, um, <laughs> our border policies because of uh, kink munches that need to occur. Yes. <laughs> Tell them to get rid of the two-week whatever thing because kinky people need to meet each other. Thank you so much. On to the next question. Um, I'll keep it a little bit still at the beginner stuff and then we'll move to the more advanced things. Um, so another person asked as a beginner of impact play and ropes, what, where would you suggest starting? What would you suggest? Oh, wow. Um, uh, they're two very different things. Um, I would say for, if we go rope first, if you're getting into shibari, I would say start with self-tying, um, before you include play with a partner. Also, if you can attend some workshops in person, you'll get usually from good kind of communities have workshops um, and they will talk about safety and some actual like uh, physiological uh, information which you kind of need to be safe with rope. Um, So I'd say be cautious with that stuff before immediately playing if you're just starting out. Mm -hmm. The Shibari Study um, website and app is really, really good, especially during these like isolated times. You can learn quite a bit with just the the videos they have and your own rope and just practicing on yourself. Um, For impact, you, you don't need to, I would say you don't need to attend any workshops or do any learning. What you need to do is just very much um, meter your exploration. So just, you know, use communication as a way of learning. So even if you've done it before, when you've got a new partner, 
you need to find out what their perception is compared to your perception. So if you want to do a bit of like over the knee, just, you know, basic, I mean, basic, let's say, let's say classic, classic spanking, um, because it's always never going to go out of fashion. Um, (laughs) You want to find out what your one, two or three out of 10 is compared to their one, two or three. So just start very, very lightly, which you would want to do anyway with impact to just kind of like warm um, your partner up and and kind of like mm-hmm. get them ready to actually take uh, more severity. But you also want to know where they're at. So if your five is their nine, that's not going to work. You know that you need to know that you need to find the middle ground and find you're on the same page to be on. So for impact, I would say start with a lot of communication. Um, if it feels awkward or like it ruins the mood, just pull your head out of your ass and get over that. That that is that vanilla toxic no communication hangover bullshit um Mm -hmm. mood and sexiness is not created by no communication uh more communication the better so you actually like tell your partner i'm going to give you some very small um smacks i think these are going to be two out of ten and i want you to tell Mm -hmm. me what they feel like and just go up from there go up until you find a number out of ten to them, that feels like kind of the edge. It feels like the edge of what would be comfortable pain. And stay within that until you're ready to like maybe push past that if they want to. And over a few sessions um, with that partner, you'll start to have a context for what they, what their kind of limits are and what their meters are. Um, and then you'll be able to have like a full-on you know, impact session that will be informed. Yeah. Um, I think I am a visual learner myself. And so I would definitely recommend checking out some online classes. Some are live and you can join in the classes live and some are pre-recorded, So you can do it in the privacy of your own home. No one knows who you are. Um, I would say one that's a good like basic starting one is by the pleasure mechanics. Um, they've been on the podcast, uh, before, uh, but they've got like a kinky sex mastery class. They also have an erotic spanking class. Um, and then if you're looking to get into it a bit more, I would shout out the classes from Miss mistress, Justine cross. Um, and then there's lots of books as well, but I agree with what you were saying. I think it's twofold. There's like the literal skills and then there's like the safety component. So I think learning about the body and the body's response to things is just as important to like knowing how to tie a good knot. Um, so it's great to like get some shibari books that just show you how to tie knots. But I think knowing your body and the body response and the body's response to uh, blood flow and areas that you don't want to tie or hit um, is probably most important first, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's really learning both and really accepting that if you're the, the dominant here doing this, you've really got to treat it like as if you were a professional. That's the level of how serious it should be taken. So mm-hmm. if this is a, a skill that you haven't acquired yet or you haven't practiced very much, then yeah. would you go into a profession? Would you go into a job site and do something you haven't really done before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. So you, I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, so try and get some skills down. Yeah, read, watch, do all of those things. Um, learn what the actual parts of the body that you do not want to uh, expel impact on. And why? Because um, th- mm-hmm. that's a thing. A lot of people just don't even know that. They just think, oh, it's just on the ass. You're like, well, what does that mean? Um, yeah. you know, so 
They're, yeah, top of the ass is very different than bottom of the ass. Exactly. Yeah, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. And I, I mean, yeah, even like like a person like I had a session in a dungeon recently with with, with uh, my partner with Miss Night Eyes, and she wanted marks, and so because she finds it difficult to mark on the best delivery point, which is like the peak of the cheek, um, the cheek peak is like the best point on the on the buttocks to to uh, make impact on she's taken a lot of canings there and so it's hard for her to mark well um so i was um giving her uh a double flogging um and i was going on the sides close to the hips which which can be a bit of a no-no area uh much less a safe area than on the peak of the cheek but that's where i knew the skin wasn't as kind of defended and and she was more likely to mark so i had to choose to up that risk a little bit and use the floggers to do a skin abrasion rather than heavy impact, which would more likely do kind of deep uh, bruising and, um, you know, possible like nerve damage risk, you know. So yeah. you've, you've really got to be thinking about things on that level to an extent where that's just very natural to you. Um, and, and it's okay to not immediately be in that awareness and knowledge, but as long as you're determined to get there and to get as close there as possible before you start hitting people, um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's part of like the journey. That's everybody is, is on a learning curve. So just learn as much as you can, take it slow, communicate a lot. If you make a mistake, that's okay. Admit it, talk about it, make sure your partner's safe, learn from the mistake, get better. What is pleasure? Pleasure is anything that makes you feel good. Pleasure is an experience. Pleasure is your birthright. You deserve pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, sex therapist, sexologist, and host of the podcast, Sluts and Scholars. And I'm Michelle Lamore, international burlesque artist, empowerment advocate, and host of the podcast, Look Down There. And together, we are Into Pleasure. Into Pleasure is a pleasure-positive virtual event where a diverse group of intimacy experts present varying paths to pleasure. You'll learn from Nicoletta, Well, you will discover how to prepare your body for pleasure and learn how to remove those pleasure blocks. Goddess Coco Meow will show you how to combine beauty care rituals into your kink and BDSM play. Javet DeBay will teach you how to make the home movies of your fantasies. Leafbound and Icarus will show you the ropes in an introduction to rope bondage, where you will learn special knots and witness a demonstration. And finally, I'll be leading you through a pleasure recess where you will learn how to access pleasure in your body and move it through your body all while listening to your yes and only doing what feels good. You can join us for the full day or you can choose your pleasure a la carte and pick and choose the classes that work for you. Anyone who registers for three or more classes will receive a digital gift bag that include discounts to pleasure products and services. All classes will be on Zoom. So if you can't attend live, no problem. Everything will be recorded. Into Pleasure is for all women and marginalized genders who want to explore more of their pleasure potential. Whether you are just starting out or a pleasure pro, Into Pleasure is sure to please. Join us on April 2nd for this pleasure positive virtual event. Don't pleasure delay. Grab your tickets now at intopleasure.com. See you on April 2nd. Yeah. And just echoing again, what you said about trying the rope and stuff on yourself. I, I mean, obviously everyone has different 
responses in their body. So just because it feels a certain way on you, whether that be impact play or rope, doesn't mean it's going to feel that way on another person. But I personally think it's important for anyone doming, topping to try the stuff on themselves so they know what it feels like. Yeah, even though there's a difference, I think it's I think it's a good practice and a basic empathy level. Like mm-hmm. even if you're not um, a masochist or anything, it's just yeah. a good reminder of sensation to like, I always give a bit of like a new paddle. I always smack it on my forearm, uh, one, two, three, just a few little taps and then a good one to be like, oh, okay, it's going to feel something like that. And I'll, exactly. and I'll just notice like, okay, was that all wrist? So there's certain paddles where you're like, oh, all I need is wrist on that and I can get that up to an eight or a nine out of ten. That's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You need to know these things and even just wax like different candles from a foot can be quite intense compared to others. Um, so a few drops on your forearm on the underside where the skin's a bit sensitive, that will kind of give you a bit more information than not doing that at all. So it's all about a little bit of kind of due diligence and the more information you have as the top or the dominant, the better you can be a top or a dominant. So get as much information as you can um, and a lot of that is from just communicating with your partner. All right. So last, I don't want to say the last one, but last one on the beginner, more beginner side of things. Um, How do you introduce kink into a 10-year vanilla marriage? Oof. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to start with that one? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm emotionally triggered and hurt by that so much that maybe you can... Uh, you, you mean that someone's been in that and wanting it and it's been hard to introduce? I mean, we I, I've been there. I think a lot of people have been in long-term relationships and you're like they want to do this. And I get a lot of questions by people who do this. And yeah. part of me has an immediate fear that you can't. And I feel like a lot of people won't say mm. that the hard thing, which is, look, at least acknowledge there's a good chance that this relationship is not satisfying it is. It may not be what you what you need in this way. Maybe you didn't know that ten years ago, and you've only grown into it. Um, but it's what you know now. That doesn't mean this relationship has to end. But you might have a need that can't be fulfilled by this relationship. And I think you need to face that prospect first before you start trying to bring something into a relationship that. Um, actually might not fit because if your partner isn't kinky, if they don't identify as a, as a kinky identity, they can't, they can't do this. Like they can, they can service things. They can bring in some fetishes and some kinky play. But if you're a sub and you need a dom and you want to, how do I, how do I make my partner be a dom is a question I get all the time. It's like you cannot and you shouldn't even be thinking like that. You can't make someone something they are not. Um, that doesn't mean they can't learn some rope play and tie you up or they can't do some impact play with you as a loving partner. But if you want a dynamic relationship um, and, and your partner is not a dynamic identity, then that's the answer right there. So um, there are ways to introduce some new things into the relationship. Again, it's really just having a conversation. But before, I would say before you even get into that, first just check on whether you're avoiding what you already know, that this relationship um, 
does not have that in its in its prospects. You know, if you, you've been with your partner for ten years, you you probably know them quite well. Do you think that this is actually in their wheelhouse? Is this part of their identity? Because um, if if you if you know it's not, then I think the conversation you need to have is, hey, I know that I need something, and I might need to go outside of this relationship to get it. And that's the real hard conversation that I think people want to avoid a lot of the time. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you on that sometimes to an extent. I think on the flip side, after having worked with a lot of couples navigating that, I think it depends, like you were saying, maybe what's happened in the 10 years of the marriage. What kind of marriage has this been? Um, For example, like I know folks who have been in a really religious marriage or grew up in a really religious community and they've been together 10 years and they didn't even know, they weren't even exposed to this stuff. And then they all of a sudden got exposed to something through pop culture, through movies, whatever. And they're like, oh, this is something I might like. Um, and it may be something that the other partner has been interested in as well, but nobody had the language or the experience to, to name this stuff. Um, so I think it can be possible, uh, if it's something like you're saying, if it's something that maybe your partner's also interested in, but you just haven't had the, the wherewithal, the confidence, the communication skills to talk about it. Cause that's also what I, what I feel when I read this question is like, oh, what other things in your relationship haven't you been able to talk about? What makes you afraid to bring this into a 10-year relationship? Um, and what are some other areas that you have been afraid to maybe express your desires when it comes to sex and relational stuff? Um, I think if you want a pretty subtle way to do it, um, go back and check out the episode that I did with um, Ian Ferguson about the erotic blueprint. Um, there's like an online quiz you can take that's pretty quick and it'll kind of show you different styles of like erotic identities, one of which happens to be kinky. Um, and then there are others and it may kind of help to see like where y'all line up or don't line up, um, and can definitely start a conversation, uh, to continue after that. Uh, and then I think it's also getting comfortable with your own kink as well. And trying to explore either with a sex therapist or a sex coach, like what's getting in the way of you introducing this into your relationship and really talking about it and owning it for yourself and feeling deserving of that if you want it. And then based on how your partner responds over some time, it may be what the funny Dom is saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I jumped the gun because I feel like, I feel like this is very common and I think a lot of people... A lot of people want to believe that they can train their partner to be a thing yes. that they need, and yeah. I feel like that's very dangerous, especially when it's coming from a yes. sub side, and they want to make your partner a dom, and that that cannot it cannot be done. It cannot be done. But if you have a healthy relationship where you communicate about everything else, and maybe yeah, maybe you're just feeling a bit vulnerable about bringing up these um, these interests, then absolutely like that's an understandable way to feel that's we all feel that um you just still have to sit down and have a conversation you just going to sit down and go hey um you know i was watching these videos or i saw this movie you know and it made me think of these things and how i'd like to try some things like that sometime and mm-hmm. that's a vulnerable position because a partner might 
they might laugh, they might be shocked, they might whatever their initial reaction. Judge, yeah, yeah, they could be get angry. judgmental if, if they get angry. Then feel rejected. Yeah, yeah, anything, you don't really don't know. But here's the thing: like you need an answer. So whatever their reaction is going to be, and whatever that conversation is going to turn into, it's going to give you your answer. And the um, the uncertainty is just fear of what that answer might be. It doesn't change the fact that you need that answer. And the answer might be the answer you want too. So uh, there's really no way forward until you just sit down and go, hey, I'd really like to try this. What do you think? Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, and, and you may not get that with that person, but then maybe they're open to non-monogamy. Uh, so there's there's options potentially. Yeah. Um, one option of which is finding a new partner <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's options sometimes. Yeah, there's always um, better to know and to try and figure something out than to just have a need and not act on it. You know, to not yeah. express it, to not talk about it, mm-hmm. and this is maybe the part. Or not but, feel like you're deserving of acting on it, or that it's important enough. Yeah, exactly. This could be the thing that you know makes the next ten years of this relationship so so good. So mm-hmm. you know, you've, you're really not going to know until you kind of just have the conversation. So um, yeah, just bring it up. There's no perfect way or perfectly terrible way to bring it up. Really, it really is just the middle of the conversation and how it ends that matters so just find a way in uh write it down if it feels too awkward to say um and just say like i've written something down that i want you to kind of read it's like a serious thing i want to talk about and just hand it to them and make a cup of tea and just talk about it that's it Mm -hmm. yeah two other um easier way in ways to do that are like apps so there's one app called Lovewick. Um, they've got a deck in there that has like sex and relationship questions, one of which, you know, a couple of which are around kink and BDSM. Um, there's also other ones, gosh, I can't remember the name of them, but there's a bunch of apps where it'll present you with a sexual scenario and you swipe right if you like it and left if you don't. And then at the end, it matches up all the ones that you both swiped right on. There's also online what's called like yes, no, maybe lists. Um, there's one on auto straddle and there's one on scarletine. Uh, so you can take that together. It's not just kink BDSM stuff. It's like anything sexual and relational. So it's going to start like a, a broader conversation about what you're into and how you're feeling about the sex that you're having. So you don't have to just immediately be like, Hey, I want you to tie me up now after 10 years. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for an ease in, I think those are some, some good options. Yeah, you know, I mean, put on Netflix and put the um, that bonding series on, um, yeah. and if you know if you're both laughing at it, I mean, that's going to tell you something. And just kind of pause at a point and go, "What do you? Was that you know hot? Like I'm enjoying this funny show, but did you think the bit of that was kind of hot?" And just have a mm-hmm. have a kind of conversation about it, and and it's okay to be a little bit kind of sneaky uh, like that. You know, you can always like say later, like I, I put that on because I wanted to like raise the topic a little bit like you know i'm sure you can laugh about it at that point um yeah but um you know yeah it's really just ways of raising a topic and if you can't do that then there's a separate problem with this relationship because communication is what you need for anything to be introduced especially Mm -hmm. kink so use that as a test try it now and if you can talk and have a good conversation with your partner then there's the possibility of something like this getting somewhere. But if you can't talk about it, then we have a different issue to talk about. (laughs) Yes, agree. 
All right. So just ramping up to a little more advanced questions. Um, so somebody wrote in and asked, do cis doms always expect sex? I want to play only with no sex. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's like the last person, like maybe they don't need another, um, partner in a conventional sense. They just needed a dominant play partner. Um, yeah, kink play doesn't necessarily mean sex of any kind. You can have a platonic Mm -hmm. kink dynamic, a hundred percent, um, you don't well, need- and it's also how do you define sex, right? Like maybe for some doms out there, the act of flogging someone is like sex for them. It brings them a pleasure response that is like sex, but there's no intercourse, outer course, and no clothes coming off. Um, I certainly have had partners like that, um, and it's quite lovely. And at the end, everyone is satisfied, and there was no genital or chest touching or, or even nudity sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, dynamic play whether it's, um, you know, impact or whatever it is based on, it's built on communication and trust and intimacy and vulnerability. And these are all the things that good good sex is based on. So um, it kind of is a version of that. But if you don't want it to, to cross that line, then, yeah, you can absolutely look for a, a partner where that's the boundary. And it might be someone who does often have those things together but if you're clear about what you're looking for, um, they might be open to that. I've I've had a, a session. We I usually those things are very hardwired together for me. But I have had a session with a um, with a submissive who with a little that was a purely a care session, and that was really satisfying to my um, to my daddy side because it was just caregiving. It was very connected. Um, and you know, that was like a very meaningful thing and very, um, like there's a lot of vulnerability in that. So there's a lot of intimacy in that. So, um, I was very satisfied with it. So it's absolutely a thing. And I think it's, um, one of the most noble forms of kink because it's purely standing on its own practice. You know, a, a rope session purely for rope's sake is really putting the focus on just the connection of the rope and the rigor and the bunny and an impact session is just the, the, the top and the bottom really enjoying the, you know, the S and M of that, that connection, you know, it's a real, there's a real purity to it. So mm-hmm. if that's what you want, then brilliant. You know what you want, say what you want, look for what you want. Um, other people um, do want the other half of that. So, you know, yep, yeah, go for it. It's totally a thing. Yeah. And you could also hire somebody. I don't know if the person who sent that in like is down to hire a pro dom of sorts, um, but you can hire someone and make that explicitly clear um, just so you can see what that feels like for you. Um, And yeah, see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Look for a dungeon in your area and hire a professional. Just do like, you know, a a half hour or an hour um, as a tester and talk to them. And um, they will often have all the safety and uh, communication as part of their kind of, you know, inlet of a a client. Um, It's a really good way of trying something out. Um, so I would say that's a, a really, really good idea and, and probably safer than, um, you know, finding someone and doing something so vulnerable when you've only just met them, you know, weeks earlier. 
All right. So now diving into a little more advanced for people who are already kind of in the scene of sorts. Uh, okay. So what are some cute or discreet rules that daddy doms can make for their littles when they're in public? Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. It's very specific. I like that. Um, in public, uh, there's a few things that are taken into account. One, uh, Rules and punishments and rewards, they're all like so tailored and based on the people involved and the, the submissive and the, and the little involved. So it really is informed by what your, your partner, you know, needs and wants and what their limits are. And that has to be kind of like, you know, reminded from the top. There is no, like, standard here are the 10 things because half of them are going to be terribly unhelpful to a lot of people. So, um, again, you need to sit down and talk to your partner about what they they like, what they don't like, um, and kind of figure out a lot of things from there. Um, But if we want to kind of assume some things and go with some conventions, then in public, um, let's see, I, I would say... Certain reinforcements are better to go positive in public. Uh, you're dealing with a little bit of an ethical issue where um, the consent of people around you cannot be kind of acquired or given. So mm-hmm. there's there's limits to what you can do in public and still, you know, be behaving ethically. Um, I think it's fine to wear um, things that you know represent what you are i don't think that's a con- that's a consent issue or i don't think that should be shamed i think people that you know people dress up and like do like a um pet play looks in public that's fine if if you're on a, on a leash being walked in public that's pushing it that's dying to push it because you're doing a form of play in public so with this kind of thing if you want to look for public things you want to look for things that you can do that only you would recognise and that that is normal, you know, quote-unquote normal from other points of view. So um, I would keep it to taking positive things away. So for rewards, like I like with my uh, partner if we're having coffee at a, at a cafe, it's a reward service really to let her add sugar to my coffee and stir it, you know, an exact number of times. And then, and then give it to me, serve it to me. That's, I, I may not allow her to do that if she's in trouble, if she's misbehaved. So mm-hmm. you don't need. Yeah, or like to, tying tying your shoe or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's kind of like things that that would not raise an eyebrow and look completely regular to other people, but it's actually very, very, very dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. There are other things you can do, like wearing a plug um is 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 very kind of go to and that can be yeah or a or a diaper or a vibe or a vibrator or something else that's controlled by your daddy yeah having remote vibrators it is fun i have done it 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 started it it, is right on the line of that consent thing because you are kind of playing in public but i think um that's kind of like right on that line it's really about just comfort of you and your partner um, but um, they can be kind of good punishment things like, you know, um, if you're playing on the embarrassment or the degradation kind of kinks, then, you know, wearing a plug in public for a certain amount of time um, or, you know, telling your partner to go to the nearest bathroom and take their underwear off and bring it to you and hand it to you um, discreetly. Like there's little games like that that you can play. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But you want to keep it comfortable and discreet and you want to make sure that your partner is comfortable with it. Um, If it is uncomfortable, it has to be in that consensual, um, you know, humiliation comfort zone where uh, the, the embarrassment of it, the discomfort of it is satisfying to them. Um, this is not about actually making them unhappy. Um, punishments are to, you know, to aid in your partner's growth, not to actually upset them and make them uncomfortable or, you know, traumatised. So just make sure that the things are fun and comfortable and actually are part of play that your partner wants. Yes. And I mean, I think that just fits into ongoing consent for anything, right? Absolutely. And you would yeah. hope that, but before you did this in public, that you would talk about it, maybe fantasize about it, and then once you try it on public, you'll decide if you actually like it when you're doing it out of the fantasy consent conversation. Yeah, and that's a really good test away for anything. Uh, people don't realize they can do like just when when you're playing uh, privately or playing as you comfortably do, whatever is like uh, you know forms of play that you already do. Um, talk about whatever the idea is, like um, actually turn a fantasy into dialogue, play something out um, while you're talking to each other. And if it is received well, you could then later on raise it as like, hey, we talked about that thing. Um, What do you think about, you know, doing a version of that or a lesser version of that, you know, in, in real life or in public and just, like, figure it out. And often, like, those conversations are, like, as hot as the act itself. I like one that's uh, along the lines of, like, um, basically saying something like, you have to hold my hand while we're walking anywhere, and if you stop holding my hand, then, then there's sort of some punishment or punishment depending on, you know, how bratty the person is being. Because, you know, if you were a little walking down the street with your daddy, you got to be safe and hold hands. Exactly. And there's always like little embarrassment things like forms of address. Like if you misbehave, then I, you will, I will expect you to like um, openly and loudly ref- like address me as daddy or sir in public. Um, and, um, you know, that's on that line potentially, but it's also like these are like normal words, these are accepted words, and it's really just about using that embarrassment as a form of play. And, yeah, it's really just about finding out what what buttons your partner wants pushed. Yeah. And I definitely like what you were saying about, you know, the consent of the onlookers. Um, I think this applies a little less if you're at like a play party, then you can go a little more ham. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, the context is everything. Are we talking about a, yeah. a, a cafe? <laughs> like dungeon party versus Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A, a, a cafe at 10 a.m. is where I yeah. would uh, say to a partner who's being bratty, like, I, I would like to drag you over my knee right now um, Yeah. because that's not possible, you know, and then that might be a cue for them to be like, you know, get even brattier and say, but you can't, Daddy, you know, and you like watch it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, if you're at like a kink event or something, then you're just dragging them over your knee. <laughs> like that's different. Yeah. <laughs> so just be a, be aware of, of where you're at and, and play with it, you know, but do it with the comfort of everyone else, everyone around you as well as your partner in mind. Okay. 
Next one, um, I would love to answer this one, actually, and then I want to hear your thoughts, but because uh, this one spoke to me. Somebody asked, uh, any resources for someone who is newly realized as a little, but not into pacifier or coloring culture? Uh, so for listeners out there who don't know what that means, again, go back to some of the old episodes, like with the Funny Dom and the other ones, um, but pacifier would be like sucking on a, a binky coloring like a like a child um okay my answer to this one is to really have you spend some time and get in touch with your inner child kind of like therapy work in some ways like really seeing like well what did i like as a younger person like what did i enjoy what brought me pleasure was it being playful at the park was it um doing certain activities like what sort of feeds that young, pleasure-minded, curious mind, uh, because you might not have been into pacifiers or coloring. Uh, so what are the things that do attract you about it? And to really spend some time getting to know this very important part of your identity um, and be curious about them and see what they like and really listen to them. And yeah, you don't have to fit into this mold of the you know, culture that includes pacifier and coloring. You can figure out what you as a little person would like. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there who, uh, a lot of submissives and a lot of littles who feel that they don't match up or they don't identify well enough with something to, to be worthy of that that title or that that archetype. Mm -hmm. And that's not how this works. It, you're, you're a little if you're a little. It doesn't mean... Um, that you have a packy and that you have a nappy and you have to, you know, have a, a little space and a rug and your stuffies. Like these are all things, but they don't make the identity. So even if you are not into any of that, you can completely still be um, a little. It's a, it's a huge spectrum. There's uh, littles that have their stuffies and want to watch their like nostalgic. Um, kind of, you know, cartoons and draw and they'll have full on have like a, you know, into, be into diapers and um, and will regress to a specific age where they identify with, you know, four years old or eight years old or 14 years old. Like a, they have that specific identity they know and that's great. But there's also others who have a little... Um, side to them where it doesn't have an age and it's not diapers or pace, but they might have a teddy bear. They might like, you know, some cartoons sometimes. They might like to just, if they're walking through a playground, maybe sitting on a swing and be pushing a swing for five minutes does feel like fun, does kind of like activate some kind of like, um, you know, joy from childhood, you know, and so there's a little bit of that regression there. Um, it's a really wide spectrum and you don't have to like tick off a number of things to be mm -hmm. able to call yourself something. That's, that, that, that's not how we do it at all. So you are a little um, figuring out what you like and what you're into. That's the fun part of exploring and that can change. You might not be into some of those things now, but if you start exploring and start embracing it um, and feeling more comfortable, that might change, that might grow, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, go for it. Like, uh, venture forth. This is the fun. Yeah, and hopefully whether you're, you know, solo littling or if you do have a, a daddy or mommy or a caregiver-type partner, um, they will support you in 
figuring out your identity as well because they want the best for you. Absolutely. And and even if you are little, that does also doesn't mean that you have to have a daddy or a mummy. Like you can he be a little who has a master, you know, or a sir or a mistress. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be mm-hmm. a pet who has a daddy or, you know, pet things don't necessarily mean they have to have the other side of that conventional binary. Um, mm-hmm. um yeah, you can self-parent also, self-parent your inner little, right? Self-parent your inner child. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, we all need to do, <laughs> you know, and that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Even submissives need to dom themselves to be self-regulatory and be healthy. And um, so definitely um, don't uh, just don't kind of shame yourself by these conventions. You know, in, in kink we have all these titles and names and these things and it, it, it becomes dogmatic or it has become dogmatic and then it starts hurting us. It's supposed to help us. So all these titles and archetypes, they're a beginning. Um, but but no one is just like a 104% that, you know. We're all a kind of mix that does grow and change, you know, from year to year, month to month. Um, so just use all these things as a starting point and as a way of finding connections and shorthand of communication. But as soon as it feels like Mm -hmm. a limitation or something that's narrow or restrictive or keeping you out or making you feel less than something, you're taking it too far. Like, like, Like it's shackles, you know, throw them off. That's not what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. Sadly, probably last question that we have time for. Uh, but I know that this is um, maybe one of your favorites <laughs> since we got to chat earlier. Yeah. Um, so somebody wrote in and asked, um, I'm not daddy's primary partner, but how do I handle jelly beans? Oh my God, jelly beans. Uh, that's one of the cutest ways of expressing the word jealousy I've ever heard in my life. I think I'm going to like die. Um <laughs> I, know, I tried to say it in the voice too. You that did, I would, yeah. Someone would say that in. Yeah, no, my jelly beans. Oh, um, yeah. Um, goodness, um, my daddy's side is all blushed and <laughs> white knuckled, and um, mm, um, <laughs> I like want to jump in and help, but I kind of am enjoying hearing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna like shake it off and get objective again. Um, <laughs> First of all, yeah. bless, bless for jelly beans. Um, and yes, thank you for that vernacular. It's it's wonderful, and uh, and it shows really good awareness that you can be playful with uh, these feelings of jealousy. I think it's really helpful to realize that uh, all us people in non-monogamy and poly, jealousy is part of life. It's not a thing that we like have evolved past like some kind of you know we're not the greys we're not the things coming out of the ships in close encounters um we're we're just people and we've just kind of accepted it jealousy comes up usually if you have a insecurity that's based on you um how you compare yourself to the other person which you shouldn't already be doing um we all do it. It all it happens to everyone. I've, I've had jealous times. It's a very normal thing. Managing it is what you want to do. And you're already 
being playful with it. You're asking questions about it. So you're already doing it. You're already doing what you And you're aware, doing. like you said, aware of it, having the insight to even notice that feeling. Exactly. Especially when you have a little side to not just be acting out and be uh, you know, unhappy and not know why. You know that you have some jealousy and that's really, really, really good. That's really the 90% of it is just being aware and go, hey, um, this is happening and I'm feeling jealousy. And that doesn't mean stop it from happening or change anything on my behalf. It's just saying it, expressing it, asking for reassurance, um, talking to your partner so they know that when you have those feelings, there are some things that will make you feel better, which is usually them telling you that they're here for you, that they're there to listen to you and how important you are to them, just reminding you of your value um, because none of that is in question and that's what that insecurity needs to hear. It needs to be reminded of the reality, which is you are of value, your partner um, values you, wants to be in a relationship with you and their relationships with others has no connection to their relationship with you. That's really all you can do is just kind of do that and get through it, manage it yourself, talk to your partner about it. If there's a reason why it's happening, if there's a need that's not being met, then it's an actionable issue. And sometimes jealousy can arise because you have a need that is not being met. And that's really the kind of problem, you know. So if the jealousy comes up and it keeps coming up, have a look at that. Why is that happening? Is Is there something that's actually not satisfying in this relationship and because then the issue is not jealousy it's you're not satisfied but if everything is happy if you're satisfied the communication is good you feel very stable and strong in your bond with your partner then their relationships with others they can't affect you like that they and they they usually will not at all you'll just have a some version of a kind of compersion feeling where you'll be like you know, at least kind of like happy. Oh, you had a good date. That's, I mean, cool. How was dinner? You know, you can just move move forward through it. But if it immediately is like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because I'm feeling jealousy, there's usually a reason that has nothing to do with that partner or even your partner. It's you. It's something that you need to figure out. And that might be a need or it might be an insecurity that you have. Maybe you're not feeling great about where you're at um in like in some way um so just working on that can immediately kind of change and kind of have a positive effect on that uh, i know if i have like a terrible week you know like bad routines if i start feeling down if i'm not um uh, working on something creatively if i'm not exercising and and kind of being proactive with my energy if i go down something like this can happen and as soon as i get back into a routine two three days it it elevates, it changes. So, you know, just remember we're very dumb animals, people. We're not very sophisticated really. Um, So just uh, have a look at your routines and how you feel about yourself, what you can do (laughs) to kind of fix that, work on that. And, yeah, it's likely that will help the jelly beans. Yeah, and I think even for folks listening who aren't littles out there, like this is great advice for anyone in any relationship, whether that be friendship, romantic, you know, with parents, um, to yeah, first take that step to be curious about your own reaction. Um, just like Funny Dom was saying about, you know, just asking yourself, 
why am I feeling this way? Not in a judgmental, like, why am I feeling this way? But like, what is this bringing up for me? Am I worried that I'm not important? Are my needs not being met? Um, am I just comparing myself? And that's my own insecurity to help you highlight what you really need to work on. And then when you do present it to the partner, and hopefully if you're with a partner who is like, uh, somewhat like funny Dom, if you have a daddy, uh, I'm guessing they will probably melt if you use the word jelly beans, right? And then you've also oh done God. this insight work on yourself. I'm oh hoping that they God. will respond really positively. <laughs> um, if you ask something, you know, and it's said it in such a way of like, oh, I get really, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But like this thing's giving me jelly beans. And like, this is what I, you know, found out about myself. And I just like really wanted to talk to daddy about it and just really presented it in a way. Oh, if I had um, you know, a, a partner, if I had a little partner who said they were feeling the jelly beans, <laughs> I would be immediately like caregiver praise. I would be mm -hmm. proud. I would be telling them how well they were doing for expressing that to daddy and to talk about it and tell me all about the feelings. And I'd be so comforted and I'd feel secure in my relationship with that little because they were able to tell me about the jelly beans and trust me with that and give me the opportunity to be a good dom and a good partner and reassure them and try to help them have the space to kind of get through that feeling because it will pass. Um, it, I, I, it's the dream is to have that kind of communication where it's like expressive and direct and still playful. It's still dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I, I know I've never been so like turned on by jelly beans emotionally <laughs> in all the ways, you know, like, dang, thank you for this. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Well, we did have other questions uh, and maybe we'll just have to have you on a third and fourth and a million more times um, for all of your knowledge. Uh, so glad to have you back. Um, and you know, just have to put this in there. I posted about it on Twitter. It, it just is adjacent to, or actually pretty connected to what we were talking about. I don't know if you saw this, but Pornhub has now disallowed the terms DDLG and daddy, Dom, little girl, I saw that. um, yeah. in addition with a bunch of other terms, um, as you all know, if you listen to the podcast, um, I do a lot of research around this, these kinds of topics and adjacent topics. I'm frustrated by it. I wish there was a better way that wasn't so shaming um, to help make sure that the porn out there was consensual and with consenting adults. Um, but it is, fucking sucks. Yeah, it's a real, it, this is a real backward step. DLLG is, by its definition, a... Um, uh, a, a dynamic, a form of identity between consenting adults. So that's the mm -hmm. same as if you brought censorship down on um, any other kind of uh, porn or sexuality that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it makes no, no sense. It, it's so ridiculous and it's only going to add to so much shame of people who uh, like, you know, just figuring this part of their identity out and then see something like this, you know, and, and I've seen yeah. what it looks like when you like do the search and it's like warn, it's like caution, you know, and it, it kind of makes you yeah. feel like you're already doing something criminal. Um, it's, yeah. it's terrible. It's a, it's such a backward step. And it's like, uh, I, I feel really bad for people that, uh, have vulnerability and shame already, and they're going to get triggered by that. You know, I, I don't think it's necessary. 
yeah, shame usually has the backfire effect of making people want it, want it more. Um, and in my opinion too, it's, it's kind of misinformed because there are folks who do have a minor attraction, meaning uh, attraction to people under age, um, who are not interested at all in DDLG. Sometimes there can be an overlap, but it's not, the, the two aren't always and often not the same thing. Um, so it's, yeah, go back and listen to episodes I've done on minor attraction, but just wanted to throw that in there since we've been talking about littles uh, for the latter part of this episode. Um, and that is why people need uh, you and your content. Um, so how can folks find you, refollow your new uh, Instagram and continue to support what you're doing, uh, not um, on Insta, just in case. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, find, I'm, I'm not going away. So find me on Instagram on uh, at, <laughs> at the funny Dom 2 uh, If you look for at the funny, funny Dom 2 and it's not there, guess what? Look for at the funny Dom 3 because that's probably <laughs> where I'll be if I've been deleted again. We've got a lot of numbers to cover here. Yep, and uh, maybe in a year's time it'll be at the funny Dom 10. Uh, 69. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, that is my least satisfying sexual position, so I might skip it straight to 70. Um, okay, 666, six, 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 13. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. I won't stop. I won't stop until I get to the number of the beast <laughs> and the revelation are cured and the trumpet sounds and the seal is broken uh i'm gonna keep going so right now it's at the funny dom 2 uh my my bio has a patreon link which i believe is just whatever patreon and then you know the funny dom um get on there and say hi i try and talk to everyone who reaches out to me i do q a's every week and we talk about questions just like this Uh, i'll also be starting my own podcast this year and yeah, there's lots of content on the um, Patreon, like how to vet a prospective dominant, how to set up a scene for an actual kink session, um, as well as the spicier stuff as well. And just bedtime stories. If you're a little, um, you know, come follow me and, and request a bedtime story. If you have trouble sleeping, I like doing caregiving and, and service topping for people. So just uh, find me and reach out and um, help me rebuild this like beautiful kink community. Oh, thank you so much. By the way, have you read the new improved version of the giving tree with like boundaries? There's boundaries in the giving tree. <laughs> There's an, somebody rewrote the giving tree. So it's not just like uh, an abusive one-sided relationship. Um, so I'm I mean, putting in my, my recommendation for that as a bedtime story well, we to, to teach. I want to send in the Bible yes. to do a bit of rewriting. <laughs> no, it's really good. I liked it. I'll send it to you. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's a good one. It, 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 it really fixes a lot of the, uh, problematic parts of the original giving tree. I know there's a lot of people who still love it. It's a classic, but I think there's a um, lot yes, of Abe. there's a lot of toxic relationships in um in fairy tales, and I think that is probably healthier than the amount that are in adult stories because fairy tales are supposed to be warning children what isn't good. Mm. But when you get to be an adult and you're watching Fifty Shades as an aspirational tale of romance, that's where the fucking <laughs> nightmare is. Um, so <laughs> that's we need to rewrite all of the rom coms, um, you know, and make them healthy. That's what we need to do. Yes. I yes. And fuck, sometimes it's fun to watch that shitty TV that you know is so bad but you can't stop watching. But as long as you're informed about it and know that it's just entertainment. Um <laughs> thank you again. What is pleasure? Pleasure is anything that makes you feel good. Pleasure is an experience. 
Pleasure is your birthright. You deserve pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, sex therapist, sexologist, and host of the podcast Sluts and Scholars. And I'm Michelle Lamore, international burlesque artist, empowerment advocate, and host of the podcast Look Down There. And together, we are Into Pleasure. Into Pleasure is a pleasure-positive virtual event where a diverse group of intimacy experts present varying paths to pleasure. You'll learn from Nicoletta, where you will discover how to prepare your body for pleasure and learn how to remove those pleasure blocks. Goddess Coco Meow will show you how to combine beauty care rituals into your kink and BDSM play. Javé Debay will teach you how to make the home movies of your fantasies. Leafbound and Icarus will show you the ropes in an introduction to rope bondage, where you will learn special knots and witness a demonstration. And finally, I'll be leading you through a pleasure recess, where you will learn how to access pleasure in your body and move it through your body all while listening to your guests and only doing what feels good. You can join us for the full day, or you can choose your pleasure a la carte and pick and choose the classes that work for you. Anyone who registers for three or more classes will receive a digital gift bag that include discounts to pleasure products and services. All classes will be on Zoom, so if you can't attend live, no problem. Everything will be recorded. Into Pleasure is for all women and marginalized genders who want to explore more of their pleasure potential. Whether you are just starting out or a pleasure pro, Into Pleasure is sure to please. Join us on April 2nd for this pleasure positive virtual event. Don't pleasure delay. Grab your tickets now at intopleasure.com. See you on April 2nd. Thank you again for joining. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars or Sluts and Scholars, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, <laughs> on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, and don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the advertisers and all of the fun things and talk to you next week. Thanks for having me.